Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Cotton Companion Podcast. Since our last visit, Hurricane Delta decided to rain its way up through the Mid-South, slowing a pretty active harvest season down for a few days, much to the chagrin of growers. And USDA dropped its October supply demand report, which gave prices a boost back into the high 60s. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower. And as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles over in the Orlando area. Frank, here in the Mid-South, we just had a great week of open weather for harvesting, but we sure can't seem to keep the wet weather away. Yes, you know, these these hurricanes uh, seem to be bringing, you know, either through the direct path or the the tail of the hurricane brought some rain up, up through the Carolinas yesterday. And I'm not sure, I think they may be have dried out uh, today. Uh, so it's been wet in spots and, you know, we're still not, still not through October. The, the se- hurricane season doesn't officially end till the end of November. So given a year like this, you know, who knows? I know there's another Invest 93 in the Atlantic currently that's starting to make a little noise that we may need to be watching here in a week and a half, two weeks. I think maybe we learned too much about weather when we had uh, Mike's you know, Mike on here a couple couple episodes ago. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it did become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And God, I hope we don't have to figure out what happens if we run out of the Greek alphabet on this. But but anyway, today, this is our uh, 81st episode of the Cotton Companion. And we're going to swing our focus back to the cotton market following USDA's October report. And we're going to get some insight, advice, and maybe a few surprises from two of our favorite economists. Dr. O.A. Cleveland, who's Professor Emeritus of Ag Economics at Mississippi State University, and Gerald Nieper, who's President of TrueCot Commodities in Bakersfield, California. Yes, you heard me right. We have two opinionated economists right here in our virtual studio to share their two cents worth. And every time these two share a forum, it usually gets lively and, and maybe a little unpredictable. So we hope you'll stay tuned for that segment and that's coming up shortly. Before we turn our attention to the market, Let's take a quick look at what else is happening in the cotton world. Yeah, we've got a couple of uh, topics of interest to share. Uh, first off is the USDA's Ag Marketing Service has released its 2020 Cotton Varieties Planted Report. Uh, that came out on October 5th, and I think somewhat delayed, right, Jim? It was definitely delayed probably by about four or five months. Wow. And, and we're, and we're going to blame COVID-19 on that. Well, that's probably well-placed. And, you know, to no one's surprise, Delta, Delta Pine brand of Upland Cottonseed was, again, the most popular brand planted in the U.S. this year. And I'm going to run through some of these stats, so bear with me if I trip over a number or two here. Uh, Delta Pine was most popular brand with 37% of Upland acres planted, followed by Americot Next Gen with 28% of acres. Uh, Phytogen came in next at 19%, BASF Stonewall at 6%, BASF Fibermax at 5%, Dynagrow at 4%, and Cropland now going by the name of Armor at uh, 1%. For the fourth year running, Delta Pine DP1646B2XF was a top planted variety in the U.S. At, on 21.4% of upland acres. Americot's NG5711B3XF was second on 6.6% of acres. Phytogen's 400W3FE was third 
on 5.1% of acres. Out of the top 20 popular upland varieties, Delta Pine claimed eight spots, followed by Americotton uh, Next Gen with six spots. Phytogen came in with four and BASF Stonewool with two. Phytogen remains the most popular choice for Pima growers this season. It's 881RF and 841RF claimed 87% of Pima acres. You can find the full breakdown at cottongrower.com. Jim, any surprises in those numbers for you? Uh, no, I can't say that there were any major surprises. It really kind of lines up what we've seen uh, in this report. Well, really and truly for the last three to four years, uh, you know, Delta Pine has, has usually dominated. Uh, we did have a surprise several years ago when uh, Americot and NextGen uh, topped the chart. Again, it's, uh, it, it all kind of holds, uh, you know, it's almost like selecting chalk for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, 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 you can kind of place, place the varieties and place the companies and, uh, you know, and, and things rarely change. The percentage points will change, obviously, from, from year to year, and some of the varieties will change. But uh, one, thing, one thing that I, I, I kind of lament about this is, you know, yes, this report came out about four months too late or later than it normally did, but it's also the last report of its kind. This report will not be issued uh, beginning next year. Uh, I, I guess USDA has looked at, uh, you know, we have so many reports and which ones are do we need to do? And this one obviously fell into the uh, unessential categories because we've always kind of considered it a bragging rights report right. uh, more than anything. So we will uh, we'll, we'll be sad to see it go and probably we'll forget that it's not going to be out next year and come, you know, July, August, we'll start wondering exactly where it is again. When's this report coming out? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen this report? When's it coming? Yeah. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, one other item here is the uh, National Cotton Council. We've mentioned a few times, I believe, here that uh, its beltwide cotton conferences are going to be held virtually this year or next year on January 5th and 7th. Those planning to participate in the 2021 live stream event must register at the belt. Uh, Beltwide website, and that's cotton.org slash Beltwide. Uh, the site also includes the program and schedule information and registration cost. The 2021 Beltwide conferences will begin at 8 a.m. Central Time on January 5th with the Half-Day Cotton Consultants Conference, which is open to all attendees. The 11 Beltwide Cotton Tech Tech Nicole conferences begin that afternoon and run through 5 p.m. on January 7th. Now it's time to bring today's distinguished guests into the virtual cotton companion studio. Gerald Nieper is president of True Cotton Commodities in Bakersfield, California, and Dr. O.A. Cleveland, who's professor emeritus of ag economics at Mississippi State University in beautiful, as we call it in this part of the country, Stark Vegas, Mississippi. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Cotton Companion. Nice to be here, Jim. Hey, thanks. Now, before we get into this, this market discussion, Gerald, we rarely get a report out of California on cotton. So let's start with, with sort of a how are you doing and how's the crop looking out there this season? Well, thanks for asking, Jim. I'm, I'm doing fine. Uh, luckily, knock on wood, everybody in the family is, is doing fine. Nobody's sick. Um, the uh, I, think, I think Kern County... Uh, 
which is where I live, is, is getting close to turning red. So possibly uh, some, some in school, they may be able, if, if we turn red, there's no increase in, in, in uh, uh, cases over the next two weeks, they'll, you know, they're going to vote on uh, opening the schools back up. And I only mention this because my daughter's a school teacher, second grade school teacher, and and she's uh, been doing all all of her stuff remotely right now. But uh, I know she's anxious to to get back in the classroom with her kids. Um, the uh, the crop, though, you know, people ask me how have the fires and the smoke has that has that impacted the crop? And and nobody growers I've talked to have never really mentioned anything about the smoke except to say that. Uh, that um, possibly it, it, it impacted, it slowed down, let's say, the defoliation process by a couple of days just because of lack of, of direct sunshine. It's a pretty day here today, blue skies, uh, surprisingly. Um, and it's been pretty nice the last two or three days. We've had a kind of a low pressure system move in here. It's cooled off temperatures. I suspect that maybe in a couple of days, as, as temperatures warm back up, we may see some some more smoke in, in the sky. But uh, um, you know, things are, things are okay. Um, as far as cotton is concerned, um, <clears throat> very little has been harvested. What, uh, what I know has been harvested, which is upland cotton. And, uh, and I say upland because it's going to be the first thing that gets harvested in the San Joaquin Valley. Um, you know, the yields look to be better than they were a year ago. Um, you know, a lot of the upland cotton that's grown here in the San Joaquin Valley is specifically for seed contracts. As uh, one grower mentioned that he had around 3.5 bale yield last year. He's running probably 3.7 to 3.8 this year. So that's that's really the only, you know, hard evidence that I have that yields are better. But, uh, you know, driving around and, and listening to to people talk about their crops, they all feel like the crop is is at least, if not a little bit better, than their crop last year. So I was a little bit surprised when I saw USDA uh, lower the, uh, the the Pima yields uh, in, in this last report, but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we need to take some of this Pima supply off the off the board because uh, there's a lot of Pima cotton out there and it needs to be uh, needs to be absorbed by the marketplace so prices can start rising. Um, but uh, overall, I think our crop is uh, about what keeps coming out on the crop condition survey. Um, it could be a little bit better, but uh, overall it's it's in good shape. Last week with WASDE report, we, uh, you know, we had WASDE, we had another hurricane come through. We finally, prices finally broke that 67 cent barrier. What basically happened uh, in those, in that 24 hour period there then, and, and why did the, the prices react the way they did? Well, the, the report, while it was not what analysts expected, uh, who knows what analysts know? I don't know that we know anything. Uh, so the market saw that while you while basically the U.S. situation was not changed and we still are heavy on carryover stocks, it did see that USDA took the world-ending stocks down 3 million bales. And uh, even at 100 million, 3 million bales is a, is a, is a good number. And, while it doesn't say we should see higher and higher prices, it does say that uh, the market is supported by that report. And as a consequence, uh, I think, in my opinion, um, with all the turmoil, if I can use that word, going on in the world, the uncertainty, 
uh, I think the market was comfortable staying where it was. Uh, again, and we continue, as you say, to challenge this 70-cent mark. I, we got to where I thought we would get to uh, 68.5 cents, and we've done a little bit better than that. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll do better. I did not think we would break above 69 and a half. We had close there, but we've been there. Uh, maybe we will. And once we're this close, no matter, uh, you know, anything can happen. Gerald, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, the uh, prices typically rise before the hurricane hits, right? And then it hits and then prices come down. So it was somewhat shocking last night to see cotton open higher, open over over 68 cents, never looked below 68 cents uh, in, in the night of trading. And then it just kind of worked its way higher. We eventually, you know, got within shouting distance of 70 cents at a high of 69.47. And, and uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be a good explanation why prices, you know, were up there. The Chinese prices were a lot higher overnight the China cotton index, which is, you know, a, an indication of mill delivered prices in China, that was up strong. Um, certificated stocks on the on the Chinese uh, futures exchange were down over 100,000 bales. Um, the Chinese textile PMI came out and it was somewhat friendly in the sense that it was indicating expansion. Um, so I, I guess there were just a lot of things out there that, you know, hurricane aside, you know, people are feeling better about about the cotton market, um, at least about uh, the whole supply demand situation. And, you know, sometimes you start looking around for explanations and you go, well, how can it be with 102 million bales and consumption and, and uh, you know, 118, 19 million bales in production, and we're up here at prices basically higher than, than before the whole, you know, pandemic hit, you know what what's going on and you wonder you know was was usda too aggressive in, in lowering world consumption should it actually be a little bit higher for last year and and for this year you know i i, I don't know the answer to that but uh it's, it's just a strange thing why we're up here when why if you just look at the numbers we shouldn't be well i, I certainly will agree with gerald it's just the fundamentals aren't matching up with that price forecast and historically we just you know there can't be this high with these fundamentals but uh, again every year is a different year so what's different about this year and i don't know that i know but gerald did mention something that uh, uh we didn't talk about yesterday but um, last week in our discussion but uh the, the chinese market well chinese have been off a week and they came back on for friday's trading basically and uh uh, the market was really strong uh, in China, uh, and it was, I think, strong again, as he said, over the weekend. And I think maybe New York is feeding off of that somewhat. I don't know that it is. I'm just suggesting there's a good chance because China has been shut down for a week. And Chinese apparel numbers, spending numbers came out pretty good. Uh, and, of course, USDA raised Chinese consumption of, what, a million bales, Gerald? Yes, uh, yes. So, you know, it, it, all that sort of dovetailed together, and I think it's a time that the market possibly may well be paying attention to what's going on in China. Uh, so, I, you know, I don't know that that's correct, but uh, that's a very plausible thought to me, particularly, again, to say it for the second or third time, China had been, the market had been shut down for a full week. 
and it, all of a sudden it reopened with a boom and a lot of information, a lot of discussion. I guess we'll talk about that later. Well, I'll lead into it now, maybe, but the, the China's going to buy a good bit more U.S. cotton. And that does lead into to my next question. Now that we've got, we got harvest going on, uh, we're getting closer to having some new stocks available for the market. Uh, is the market, is this basically what China's waiting for? Is the market waiting for uh, for what's coming out of the fields right now? I don't think they were waiting for colored up cotton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Gerald answered that first. I was wondering what to say. But <laughs> China wants quality. Now, what they really want is 31, 336 and better. Uh, you know, if we if the sun came out pretty quick down here in the Mid-South, maybe, maybe it'll dry it out, take spots out of it real, real quick if we can get it, get that, keep that sun out bright enough. Uh, but uh, there, you know, we might sell. I mean, the, the low grades uh, that, we, that this storm may give us might sell. Uh, you know, you get cotton cheap enough, anybody buy it for anything. Uh, I, 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 I'm just scared that there's so much low grade around the world and U.S. low grades might move last. I think Gerald last week made a comment about the dependability of the U.S. merchants and co-ops, and that's a extremely strong plus for the United States. Uh, they We deliver what, what we sell, the U.S. does, and and that's a feather in the farmer's cap because of the merchants and co-ops. So, but uh, they want quality, and uh, I think the board is attempting to reflect that. Uh, of course, the board is wanting to trade strict low milling at forty-one four thirty-four, but China wants a little bit better piece of cotton than that. So maybe we can carry this market another cents, two cents higher. Good deal. Well, guys, we've been talking about the uh, market. Uh, USDA has been dropping its production uh, estimate for the U.S. for several months now, coming in currently, I think, at 17 million bales, given the recent weather issues. And, you know, we've talked a lot about hurricanes, too, but even areas that were not affected by a hurricane have had some adverse weather. Where do you think this crop may end up? Wow, wild card there. I know Gerald's talking about the California looks good. Uh, the, the old action uh, uh, Big crops get bigger, small crops get smaller. But if we go through the stats on that, that's really not true. We like to say it a lot, but it's really not true. That may happen this year. But, you know, since uh, about 2016 or so, uh, if we get good fall weather. These seed varieties just have loaded up and ready to open up some more bowls. So uh, it, it's just amazing how much fruit these plants are putting on. So it's difficult for me to take keep taking this crop down uh but just because i keep hearing analysts say well it should be smaller it should be smaller uh so i i just got to stick with what usda has yeah the, the lowest number that i'm hearing out there in terms of people put numbers together or 16.2 that's just too much you know i, I think if usda was going to make you know uh, any big cuts it would have been in, in this report um, of course, they're only doing four states now on, on their uh, uh, objective yield survey, their enumeration process, and the rest of cotton states are depending on people, you know, answering questions. Hey, how's your crop? Oh, it's good, you know. So, you know, I, I do think it needs to come down some, somewhere in the 16.6 to 16.8 range. Um, you know, even this... The, the last hurricane, the Delta that came through, you know, 
the initial estimates are that maybe we lost uh, uh, 50 to 75,000 bales. Um, I don't know, you know, that's just people, you know, jabbering. Uh, it's 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 hard to know. It's always it's always dangerous to try to make a crop assessment right after a, a storm hits because as always says, you get the storm out, you get the storm out, you get a little wind, you dry it out. You know things aren't as bad as as they might have looked uh, like the day of the storm. Um, but uh, I think there's room for a little bit of a, of a reduction in the U.S. crop, but but not you know eight hundred thousand bales. Yeah, and Jim, I you know to me a three hundred thousand bale crop would be absolutely huge. Anything that's below sixteen eight, uh, even sixteen seven, in my opinion, uh, in the absence of any other storm, uh, it's it's just not there. Again, we have time for some of these bowls uh, to open uh, that, that historically we may might not thought would open if this weather is open through the rest of the fall. I know there's some growers in North Carolina that would really love to have some some dry weather and get those that top crop to open up a little bit. The temperature outlook for the Delta is what mid 70s basically for the next couple of weeks. Yes, that's not the best weather if you want this crop to develop in a hurry. So would you say? Well, we want to. You know, well, no, we just want to keep it a bit above seventy degrees or above. Okay. Now, if it, if it if it falls to you know uh, 69, it's hard to say this, but I can say it. I'm old. If it falls to 69, that's bad. Just keep it above seven on the highs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Oa, I'm I'm gonna make you put your uh, your money where your mouth is on this one, at least, because last week you suggested finally it's time for growers to go ahead and get up to 90% priced, and kind of use 10 the rest 10% for for basically mad money. Uh, you still think that's 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 accurate right now? Well, I would still do it. I had uh, <laughs> burned up on a number of calls this weekend and this morning, and right up to we just talked. Uh, uh, I was surprised at the number of people that hadn't sold anything, and uh, I, I was also surprised that when I said, "Well, you've got to get to at least seventy-five percent." that a couple of guys said, don't you think I need to sell more? I said, well, you know, we're so close to 70 cents. We're so close to 69 cents. Uh, you put it in at 69 and a few points, and you'll you probably get it because we would have today. Uh, I, the, the market has done more than I expect, period. Uh, just uh, say 100 points more. So yeah, I'm ready to. I'm I'm ready to. I, I'll have to. I'll have to keep that ninety percent. But uh, I can. I told one gentleman this morning. I said I don't blame if you just want to do seventy five percent, keep twenty five percent out. Uh, but don't expect, in my wildest imagination, anything above seventy two cents. And I just no way it can get to seventy two cents. Hope it does, of course. But uh, I I just again, it's a little difficult for me to believe we've gotten it this high. However, I'll come back and say it again. Uh, and you know, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're, uh, you're on. There's something causing China to buy cotton. Is it the trade package? Who knows? Uh, I personally think it is, but something's making China is having China buy cotton. They're buying the heck out of soybeans, they're buying the heck out of corn, they're buying the heck out of everything. Uh, as long as we, the market continues to think that they're going to buy some more, I think the market's going to remain strong. 
uh, what, six weeks or so ago, I said they're going to end up buying, buying eight to 10 million bales this year and eight to 10 million bales next year, imports. Well, not from the U.S., but in total. But the U.S. gets, we've sold them five million bales over the last uh, year or so. Well, we shipped five million bales during the calendar year. And we should expect that in 2021. So shipping that kind of cotton is going to keep this market stronger than I thought several months ago. But at the same time, our exports to other countries are lagging. So it, to me, it's difficult to get, get it above 70 to say. Gerald, what are you telling your growers right now? Somewhere between 68 and 69 cents. You know, I, it's and, and like I always said, save a little bit for, you know, who knows where we could get to. I think we've got an outside shot of getting up to just under 71 cents, but uh, um, I, I didn't think we had, I didn't believe we had a big shot of getting up here, given all the numbers, but you, you know, the only thing you had to hang your hat on was a, you know, unfilled chart gap between 68.98 and 69.17. Well, we filled that gap, and you know the last three days of trading, you know even though the market has been pretty strong early, it has not settled in the upper half of the range, and and that's just not. I don't think we can continue this to where the market is strong and then it closes out fairly weak. Um, so I I think we're getting close to to where guys ought to be more, as always says, much more aggressive in terms of trying to get something priced. Uh, one last question, uh, and and you guys are, are two of the best economic prognosticators I know of. Are there any other watchouts out there that we need to be watching, that, that growers in the market need to be uh, paying attention to over the next month or so until we can get this crop out of the ground? Gerald, I'm going to defer to you. I, uh, I, I say that, I, I'm just trying to think. Uh, we have to watch our exports. Eh? We, we've got to have, we don't have to have sales kind of this month. We need to be next month. They've been, they have bought more quicker, sooner than I ever expected. Uh, but we've got to continue to sell them cotton. We just, we have to continue to sell them cotton or, or, or we don't challenge these, this 70, 71, whatever. Dad, and I think it would be good if, if, Merchants tell me that, that everything is for nearby shipment. It doesn't matter what country it is. And and that makes you worried about going down the road in terms from a consumption standpoint. Um, you know, uh, at least the retailers aren't confident yet that they can, you know, plan six, eight, nine months ahead of time and, and they've got a, a good handle on things. So, you know, I would watch out for uh, um, possibly, you know, some... If we don't get a stimulus package passed, I, I, I think that may, that's going to start putting some real uh, hurt on the consumer as, as we move forward. Um, and, uh, you know, consumption may, may not increase as much as USDA thinks for, for 2020. Um, the, uh, it, it would be nice if we didn't need the stimulus package because I, I just don't think from an economic standpoint, the health of the country to keep putting this much, the, the country into this much debt, but uh, clearly this pandemic has caused, you know, a, a lot of pain out there. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are, 
we're looking for jobs and uh, hopefully, you know, they'll find something in here in pretty quick order. But uh, um, I, I think the stimulus package, something needs to happen to kind of get us over the hump until we can get put, put some real distance between us and, and this coronavirus. That's a good point, Gerald. Gerald's making a great point. Jim, if I may just to add on to this, I'm going to mention U.S. domestic consumption. It's very small. It's uh, a, a grower certainly can't watch that. It's not enough time to watch. It's forecast by USDA at 2.5 million bales. Uh, and maybe it will be. I hope it will be. Uh, Gerald's talking about the consumer, rightfully so, as he said, and the, the pain that's there. We did not consume domestically, but 2.2 million bales last year. So uh, I would, I'll actually be surprised if we meet that target, if, if it's anywhere near as strong as USDA is. So as a consequence, if we don't consume that, even though we sell more cotton overseas or sell more cotton to China or, or the U.S. crop gets a little smaller due to uh, 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 weather, we, we still, in my opinion, are facing increased stocks on the domestic consumption side. So we bring it down one place, we lose it another. But uh, supporting this market, believe it or not, and I'm on both sides of the market today, aren't I? Uh, let's look out at December 21. Corn and soybeans are just on blazes, just on fire. I had a Southeast Georgia uh, cotton grower tell me he was booking corn next year for $4.85 a bushel. I thought he was pulling my leg, but uh, I, I think he... I hope he's not. I hope that's true, baby. If corn is that strong, and I thought it'd be strong, but that strong, uh, cotton is December 21 cotton at 68 cents has got to go up at least three more cents, at least, uh, to plant any cotton. So uh, we can continue to watch that. So we may get a little drag on the from the from the far back end, drag higher. I don't know that. That's a little wild to suggest, but we're certainly looking at it. Sounds good. I think it's safe to say all options are, are open at this point, right? All options are open. Well, as much as I hate to say it, it's time to uh, to wrap this discussion up and let both of you get back to uh, to the rest of your day. Oya, Gerald, thank you again for taking time to join us today on the Cotton Companion. As usual, it has been informational and it has been fun. Thank you all for growing support. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you, Jim. This was enjoyable. Right. Thank you so much. Once again, that wraps up this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. O.A. Cleveland and Gerald Nieper for joining us in our virtual studio today. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's how you do it. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Well, the October issue of Cotton Grower should already be in your mailboxes. And our November issue is going to be heading to press this week. 
And I just wanted to put in a quick plug for our Cotton Kids page uh, that we feature in each issue. This is the perfect time of year to take and submit photos of your kids, grandkids, and their friends. All we need are great photos, the name or names of the kids in the, uh, the photo, your hometown, and uh, written permission to use the photo. Information on submitting the photographs can be found in every issue of Cotton Grower. I've even gotten a few in over the past week through Messenger on the Cotton Grower Facebook page. So thanks in advance, and we'll be looking for the photos. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch, Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. I'll be back with you in a few weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. So for now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Frank Giles, we wish you all the best and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer.